three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It's very good to be back with you. It is Sunday night, December 11th. It is Christmas time, and it is bowl time, and we're going to break it down for you, the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, coming up this weekend, this weekend, I guess uh, six days away, and we are going to break down that matchup with Rice. We're going to talk a couple other recruiting things, specifically the transfer portal and we'll talk a little basketball as well, and Patrick will look through the Sunbelt Bowl picture as well. My name is Ben Milam, and I'm here with my partner as always, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be here on the Sunday night. Glad to be back after another week off. We will be back next week. Just so you know, we'll be back next. We'll record the 18th Sunday night, and it'll release on Monday, and then we'll take Christmas off. Since Christmas is on a Sunday, we'll take that week off. We'll come back. And we will roll fully into basketball season. We'll start to look ahead at baseball in this next month as well. This episode is brought to you by Big Goal Nation. That is southernmiss.rivals.com. They are running an annual subscription sale still, the one we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That's still rolling for the rest of the 2022 calendar year. It's $22 for your first year promo code RIVALS22. That's Rivals 22, and you'll get your first full year for just 22 bucks. It's a pretty good deal. It's a premier inside source for all things Southern Miss Athletics. Go check them out, southernmiss.rivals.com. Thanks, Big Gold Nation, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Pat, let's jump right into it. Familiar opponent. Let's, let's talk big picture first. I think some people were initially maybe a little disappointed. I think, um, you know, just due to the fact that it's a, a – <laughs> former Conference USA mate. And I know we talked a couple of times off um, off air, but the fact that that's, that was kind of one of the big hopes is that we would not play a former Conference USA mate. But I, I don't think there's any, you know, when you, when you kind of step back, you're playing in a bowl game in year two of the rebuild. I don't think there's anything less than excited that, that you should be here. Obviously, there, there could have been more exciting matchups, but you're playing in a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only drawback is you're playing the only five and seven team that made a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But, I mean, when you're a 500 team in the Sun Belt, you know, you kind of got to take what they give you. I mean, you kind of right. look back 15 years ago. I mean, a team that in USM's position, a six and six Sun Belt team, almost certainly would not be playing in a bowl. So you just got to take what they give you and play who they uh, you go up against. And, yeah, yeah I mean, I would have preferred to play a, a, a six and six team. I wasn't really, um, you know, on the um, side of, you know, people are saying, well, you know, you look at a Lafayette, uh, which had the same record as USM, and who USM has the head-to-head against. So I'm like, well, they got a much better matchup there than playing Houston. But I really would, I didn't really want to play at Houston because you'd be probably 10-point underdogs mm-hmm. or so, and I think mm-hmm. you need to take momentum. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would have rather played a, a Buffalo or a, a Bowling Green, which is you know probably similar to a Rice, it just very 6-6. Sure. Six and six. So, I mean, it just looks a little better, uh, I guess, aesthetically. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of just the, the bowl itself, uh, 
This is, I think, everything you can ask for. It's yes. right, I mean, it's closest bowl geographically to Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. It's a great um, time. It's on a Saturday at 445, so people can um, you know, sleep wherever they are and then come yeah. back and uh, get back at, you know, a pretty reasonable hour. I mean, probably not, you know, before midnight at least. Doesn't interfere with Christmas plans. Right, right. Enough. It's yeah. a week before Christmas. Uh-huh. So I think it is um, uh, just – I think it hits everything uh, you could ask for just to bowl this up. But, yeah, I mean, just the opponent – uh, not a super flashy opponent, um, but yeah. Other than that, um, this I think it's a pretty good deal uh, for everybody involved. I do too. And the the fact that you checked some of the big marks that you were hoping for, like you said, you cannot be picky. The fact that you could still check some of those boxes and get some really big positives in the bowl game you are playing for, I think you got to be really happy about that. Okay, let's talk Rice. You mentioned five and seven. Three and five in Conference USA in 2022. Lost four out of the last five. Have dealt with some big injuries as well. Luke McCaffrey has not played since. Did not play against Western Kentucky and has not played since then. And the quarterback, TJ McMahon, has not played since Western Kentucky either. And I think it's still kind of, they're kind of questionable. They, have right. you heard an announcement on that? Yeah, I have not seen. I was looking at their message board today and I had not seen anything uh, about his availability uh, McMahon, that is. And then I was looking at the uh, At The Roost uh, podcast uh, or website. It's the Rice. Can they cover Rice? And I, mm-hmm. they had an update, but it was behind, behind a paywall. So I couldn't find any information. So I think he would be uh, very questionable, I think, uh, McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, his numbers on the year, uh, pretty decent. I mean, uh, threw for over uh, 2,000 yards, uh, 18 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, uh, 60% passing or completed 60% of his passes. So uh, he's put up okay numbers, and he's, he's been competent for him. Uh, so, yeah, that was just kind of, that's kind of the one of the big questions is, is he going to play in yeah. this game? What else do we need to know about Rice, Patrick? Yeah, so uh, 116 in S&P Plus, uh, 117 in FPI. Uh, so they're, you know, in the bottom 15 to 20 of opponents um, or of teams in FBS. And uh, you look at there's one common opponent that USM and uh, Rice have both played, and that would be ULL. And uh, they beat you a little earlier in the year, 33-21 mm-hmm. there in Houston. And uh, But, yeah, defensively, they're probably a little better offensively than they are defensively, 118 uh, in yards per play. Uh, and USM is um, – or yards per play given up. USM is six-and-a-half point favorite, and that's kind of teetered around six or seven. Um, 66.4% uh, chance to win uh, according to FPI. And, yeah, they've struggled down the stretch because they, they had been playing a little better earlier on because we talked about that ULL win, and they had played Houston close in the Bayou yeah. Bucket on the road, and yeah. they haven't won that game in a really long time. Was it? I mean, it was a one-score game. It was, yeah. yes. And um, But, yeah, they, they were um, up against North Texas, and North Texas kind of roared back and won that. Uh, and then before that, they had lost badly to Western Kentucky. They lost badly to Charlotte, who isn't very good, and they had barely beaten UTEP. I think they beat UTEP 37-30. Uh, and then they had lost badly to UTSA, which UTSA is um, having a great year. But um, so yeah, it's a team that um, I think they are they're better than they were when you played them last year. In that game, I think it was a twenty four nineteen loss there yeah. uh, in Houston. Uh, but this is still a team. I'm trying to pull up who the I forgot who the backup quarterback uh, was. Uh, I believe he is a true freshman. Um, but yeah, this is a t- game that you should win. It's still a game you could. Oh yeah. Um, AJ Paget, and I believe he is a true freshman. I don't know if you can if it has it on there. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a freshman yeah. uh, there. So yeah, he, he's kind of an inexperienced guy, but he's been okay for him. I think. I mean, I guess two touchdowns, one interception. 
Um, let's see, he has completed um, just, or yeah, exactly 50% of his passes. That's not very good. So, um, yeah, I mean, that'll be a big kind of determining factor on the game is uh, if they get McMahon back or a patch mm-hmm. is going to have to play. But still, either way, this is a game you should win. as a game you can lose. I mean, it's kind of like the Sun Belt <laughs> yeah. uh, play like we talked about, kind of that coin flip game is in that 30 to 70% yep. window. And uh, it's a coin that would be weighted toward USM. But if you don't play well uh, and you just, yeah, you make some of these mistakes and you can't score in the red zone and uh, that kind of thing, uh, it's a game that you could be in trouble in. But again, uh, USM favored. And, uh, you know, I think they should be just based on these numbers we've talked about. Well, in, t- in terms of the matchup, uh, you kind of touched on the def- matchup for the Southern Miss defense. Offensively, you should be able to score some points. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's – I don't know how comparable Louisiana Monroe is to Rice, but I think it's similar to that game in that you're going to have – I mean, you move the ball really well. Will Hall talked about this. I think it was on Eagle Hour. Yes. At some point last week, you move the ball really well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, your yards per play was over seven. Is that correct? Yes. And you just you didn't finish some drives. Mm-hmm. Um, and – you didn't catch some big breaks, didn't finish on some plays that, that really should have resulted in some points. And I think I think it'll be similar to that in in the way of, I mean, you, that Monroe game really came down to the fourth quarter because you were not able to put points on the board when you had the really strong opportunity to do so. And I think that's true of this Rice matchup. If you don't, if you don't, um, convert when you have the opportunity. This Rice team is good enough, um, and I, and I think yes, they've lost four out of their last five. But I think they're talented enough. I think you saw that early in the year, talented enough to say that five and seven is not maybe wholly indicative of how how quality this team is. Probably a little better than Louisiana Monroe, and yeah, if you don't finish those opportunities, then they've got a really strong chance to beat you. Yeah, I mean that was the ULM game. I mean. Like Hall talked about, you had the seven-plus uh, yards for play, and then you were way ahead in the yards for play difference just based on what ULM had. And that yeah. was a game, like I think we had talked about two weeks ago, where um, if, you would not, if you had scored a touchdown when the clock ran out at the end of the first half and then, you know, Brantley catches a ball, I mean, it's a game that is, you know, it would have been 31 to 10 or maybe even more than that instead of uh, 20 to 10 where you were really biting your nails there. Um, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, similar thing. You're going to have to, if you can catch in on some of those opportunities, this is a game you can win by multiple scores. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be a kind of a, one of those one-position games where it could go either way there in the fourth quarter. So, And I don't want it to be that. Right. I, would, I would love a stress-free game where you can, you can um, yeah, sort of celebrate in the fourth quarter and um, I guess relish a, a strong year, a successful year, and seven and six would go a long way. If you lose this game, we, we've talked about the fact, I mean, we've talked all year about 6-6 six and six being a successful season at this point in the rebuild. How big of a deal is it to win this bowl game? I think it would be a big deal, especially when you, you we've talked about the 5-7 and seven factor. I think it's just it looks worse to lose to a 5-7 and seven team, especially yeah. a team, you know, CUSA and the AAC and that whole, you know, rivalry, I guess, between the two <sighs> leagues and um, so, yeah, I mean, a, a winning record, and it would give you uh, momentum into that. I guess I, we'll see how the recruiting goes. I, I don't know what who they're going to sign in the early period and the late period, but, yeah, it would certainly give you momentum at 7-6. and six. And yeah. I just think when you, when you win a bowl game, it just it, it tastes a lot – or, you know, t- obviously tastes a lot better, and people are just a lot more optimistic. Mm-hmm. 
uh, about the program as a whole. I mean, I just uh, kind of go back to, um, I guess, twenty. like look at 2016 versus 2019 where um, you win that bowl game against uh, Lafayette, you're 7-6, and six, and people are still thinking, you know, well, you know, this Hobson guy, he could still be pretty good. Yeah. And uh, uh, people were just kind of uh, positive about the program as a whole. And then you kind of look at, I mean, I guess it, it would have been year four, but – and uh, you had a lot more body work by 2019, but 2019 you also went 76, and you all, but you lost in the bowl game mm-hmm. uh, by several scores, and um, it was just people were really kind of negative about the program. Oh yeah, uh, you know I think as they should have been at that point, um, heading into 2020. So yeah, I mean the bowl game it, it is a big part of uh, kind of the trajectory of the program and how it's viewed uh, by the fans, and that's yeah, I mean that just kind of what makes this game really important. Mm-hmm. And you'll be there. I'll be there. Pat um, should be should be a pretty strong crowd. I would hope. Yeah, I would hope. Yeah, like we were talking about, just all the factors of just being on a Saturday at a good time, we're really uh-huh. close by, an hour and a half, or uh, maybe yeah, yeah, ninety, hundred, twenty minutes away. So, yeah. Um, yeah, should be. I would hope at least maybe ten thousand or so. I don't know if that's a, lo- that. a little too much, but I um, love that. you know, really not a whole lot of excuses uh, that I can uh, think of for. Uh, they're not to be a big crowd. So, um, uh, I don't know. It's hunting season. Yeah, I was about to say, there's some kind of <laughs> small rodent season that is yeah. going to be starting on Saturday. Chipmunk season opens. Yes, yeah. squirrel season. <laughs> well, I, I have to give credit. Uh, Cloverleaf Mall on Twitter has been uh, has been on the top of his or her game. I don't know who that is, but um, they tweeted that Rice is bringing their their cover uh for, that they cover their bleachers with oh stadium to uh to take care of their ticket allotment um hopefully rice will bring a few more people than that i mean you know we you constantly see the abysmal pictures of yeah of uh rice home games and uh, i don't know hopefully maybe playing in a bowl will we'll bring out some more yeah, rice this owls. is their first bowl game since uh it's been a while since um uh, who's the uh, uh, David Bailiff was there? I think right. So let me. Wow, it would have to be. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, let me pull up the uh, the wiki here. Uh, last bowl game for Rice would have been 2014. Mm. Yeah, when David Bailiff was there, they played in the Hawaii Bowl and beat Fresno 30 to six. Goodness. So so it's been almost a decade. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, even though they're five and seven, it is their first bowl game in a while and. Um, you can fly from uh, mm-hmm. Houston to Mobile. I'm almost certain of that. So, um, yeah, they they could bring a couple uh, thousand folks, maybe. So we'll see. That'd be nice. So that would uh, that would make for a good atmosphere. And <clears throat> I don't know. I'm excited about playing in that stadium. That's I feel like that'll be a a good bowl venue. Yes. Um, you know, I feel like it's the it's a good size for the matchup, et cetera, et cetera. It'll, it'll be fun. Okay, Pat. Anything else on Rice before we talk transfer portal? I think that's it on Rice. All right, we have three total uh, official transfers that have signed the dotted line. And, of course, um, Joe Marino loves to, to kind of tease people and, <laughs> and say, uh, you know, creature landed or whatever. Creature alert is what he says. And there are more coming, obviously, and, uh, you know, reason to believe there's some guys that, I don't, that are – going to sign relatively soon and probably you know we'll we'll finish this podcast and we'll have two or three that have that have signed and been announced but three so far MJ Daniels safety at Ole Miss Holman Edwards the transfer quarterback that people were asking for and we'll we'll talk about that situation out of uh, Houston didn't play much at Houston was at East Central Community College and then 
Jalen Sims, our linebacker from Memphis. Those are the three right now, the official three. And a couple other names to watch for, Pat. Yeah, I guess uh, there's been some offers, and I don't want to go through every single offer. Yeah. Um, but um, you also have Billy Wiles. That's kind of the name that everybody's kind of watching. He tweeted out last week. Uh, that he had gotten an offer from USM, and he's the guy from Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where he would have been in the depth chart. He hadn't played a whole lot. He had thrown uh, one touchdown against uh, UConn last year. Um, but he's a guy He's a low three-star out of Ashland, Virginia. He was committed um, to Tulane for a second. I think he actually decommitted when Hall uh, took the job here. Yep. And um, so he, he's a guy to watch out for in terms of just the, uh, the quarterback room. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we can get into um, – three guys that uh, that just have announced that they're coming to USM. The three that have, again, been officially announced, MJ Daniels' safety at Ole Miss is redshirt sophomore, I uh, believe. He's actually a, a true sophomore. So he had played, true sophomore. Yeah, so he had played five games in 2021 20, uh, because right. he played like one special team snap against Alabama. Uh, then he played That's a unfortunate. Little, yeah. And then he played uh, 11 games this year. So he only has two years to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and – I forget the kid's name, but the Ole Miss had a true freshman kind of take over the safety spot, and MJ Daniels was expected to be one of the starting safeties for Ole Miss, and so they were really high on him. Um, you know, uber talented, freak athlete guy. Talked to some of my Ole Miss friends about him. They were kind of in the know and felt like he, you know that was a a huge addition for us. He would probably. Start for some defenses in the SEC, and a lot of Ole Miss people thought he was going to go to state, actually. So, um, yeah, first of all, MJ Daniels feels like a big pickup on the back end. Yeah, it is, and he was a, he was a blue-chip guy out of high school there at George County, uh-huh. and I think he would be the only or the first, unless you know maybe they'll add some another guy out of the portal that's a blue-chip out of high school. But, um, yeah, I think it would be, he'd be the only guy on the roster that was um, a four-star. Um, so he was a guy to do that. And just two years ago, he was, you know, uh, just talking about his, how talented he is, he was a guy that was, you know, kind of considered a top five, top seven type player in the state of Mississippi just two years ago. This was class of 2021. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was a big addition. And I'm sure he was kind of highly sought after um, in the transfer market. So, yeah, it's a big deal to get him in there. And then, yeah, I guess uh, Holman Edwards, um, yep. <laughs> uh, a guy that um, – he was QB3 Houston, didn't play a whole lot there, um, like we are talking about. And he was a guy didn't put up big numbers there at East Central, uh, 12 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really know much to think about him. I mean, adding competition, and uh, maybe it's just a guy. Maybe he didn't have a great system to be at East Central, and um, I'll see something. I don't know. But, he, you know, he is a guy uh, that you're adding there in the quarterback room. Yeah, does have the physical tools, 6'3", and some good weight and can move around, but does have uh, <clears throat> does have some of those physical attributes that uh, you like to see and kind of show themselves on tape. Here's my question. Um, actually, let's talk Jalen Sims first, uh, linebacker out of Memphis. The linebacker depth, you felt like you had some pretty good depth coming into the season, but obviously you lose Swayze Bozeman and Hayes Maples to injury. And Hall said last week that he expects both of those guys to be back. And so I don't know if you call this a depth piece or not uh, for Jalen Sims, but, I mean, the way that this year went in terms of your linebacking core, and you'll lose a few guys as well. Central Latham will graduate. Um, This feels like an important piece too. Yeah, so he's a guy. He is – or I guess he would have – so he was a redshirt sophomore in 2021 – at uh, at Memphis, so I guess he would have two years to play. But he um, he was kind of primarily a special teams guy, 
uh, at Memphis, according to uh, his bio on the Memphis page. And, uh, but he had played at uh, Kapaya Lincoln Community College. Uh, he's originally from the Birmingham area, Fultondale. So, yeah, I don't know a ton about him. I, I don't think he had any uh, – he didn't really have a, a recruiting page uh, with stars that I could find. But, yeah, it could be a deaf piece, th- uh, deaf piece there, older player, yeah. uh, play on some special teams. So, yeah, he's another addition there in the linebacker room. All right, let's talk maybe not specifically Holman Edwards, but just specifically the quarterback position. I think there is – there. I think you see some pretty obvious upside with Holman Edwards. You mentioned the – physical attributes and on those 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 JUCO numbers at East Central East Central was really not very good when Edwards was there so it might be reflective of that or partially reflective of that this is not I think the desire for people and I'm sure the, the coaching staff's hope too is that you would have someone a little more proven than Holman Edwards again not to say that that there's no reason to be excited uh, for that addition but do you think that you need to add a, a guy with some legitimate experience at the college level? I think so, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking maybe you add one upside guy and then one, um, or kind of one unproven guy and then one proven guy. So like maybe a, a younger unproven player like a Wiles, and then maybe add a guy that's um, either been kind of productive at the FCS or D two level. Mm-hmm. Or at least somebody that's started a, a few games somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you have Edwards, and he's a guy who hasn't really played at all at the uh, FBS level. And then you have Wiles, who a uh, similar experience. So you kind of added two unproven players, and you were kind of hoping you would add uh, one of those types of one uh, proven guys. But, yeah, I mean, those proven quarterbacks, are I mean, they're tough to get, obviously. Oh, yes. Uh, and you would and now, granted, you would think just kind of the with the instability quarterback um, over the last several years, you would think that USM would maybe be – um, a um, a, or an attractive option just because you could kind of come in and compete right away. And I mm-hmm. think there's still a uh, a possibility you could add a a, a guy that started. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, people have kind of thrown around Zach Calzada oh, yes. as someone because I think uh, Hall followed him on Twitter or something, and uh, he had recruited him at at Tulane. So there's a connection there. And uh, Calzada is a guy he didn't play at all this year at Auburn. Uh, had a shoulder injury, I believe, but he had started ten games. Um, at Texas A&M, yeah, and he beat uh, Alabama last year. Was that yeah? That was him starting that game mm-hmm. against Alabama and, last yeah, year. Yeah, he was really good too. Yeah, in yeah. that game, yeah. So, um, and he was a high three star. So, I think there's still a, uh, an opportunity and a chance, and uh, to add an older, uh, more um, you know, proven, experienced quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, just the kind of guys we talked about is kind of leaning toward more that unproven um, kind of guys. You're looking for uh, some upside there, so. When does the transfer portal close? What's the last date? Uh, let's see. Portal, let's look it up. 18th uh, of January, January 18th, according to the ESPN article uh, that was written about a month ago. Yeah, it, it opens uh, opened on December 5th and closes 45 days later on January 18th. So, uh, okay. still time. Yeah, still time. <clears throat> and you'll often see it, um, you know, kind of intensify a little bit after a lot of these teams – conclude their bowl games and some other guys will enter the portal after that. I mean, they're already 6,000, something like that guys <laughs> in the portal, but yeah, so we will, uh, we'll, we'll have obviously plenty more to talk about when it comes to portal additions and I mean, the coaching staff's obviously, um, you know, kind of balancing bowl prep and this recruiting cycle. And so I would, I would expect it to be a little busier 
uh, once you get through this weekend. And we'll obviously we'll talk about that. We'll probably have plenty to talk about in two weeks here. The guys that have announced that they're are, that are in the portal, uh, USM on the way out, or GJ Burgess, which was a surprise because he was a guy that yeah. Hall was really high on. He was, yep. And they were just talking about how he was going to be a really good player, and he might have been the best. I think they were saying he could have been the best player from last year's recruiting class. And, yeah, so he's entering the portal. Uh, I would guess he'd probably go to Juco somewhere and then uh, try to go somewhere from there. So that, that was a surprise. Uh, Mario Wilburn, who was a linebacker from uh, Lafayette County, I think. Uh, he's in the portal. And then Mitchell Sellers, a uh, tight end. Mm-hmm. So those are the three guys that are out as of now. So There you go. All right, Pat, let's talk a little basketball. And the, the net rankings came out, and you were – this was early last week. Maybe I have my timeline wrong. 35, is that correct, on the initial? Yeah, I think it was in, somewhere in the 30s. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was before – correct me if I'm wrong – before the loss to Northwestern State. It was the, the day after. The actually. day after. Okay, the day after – and then you move up 14 spots, currently number 21. That's a that's a shiny number. That's yeah. that's nice to look at, isn't it? It is. And, um, yeah, I mean, you're just – we've talked about the improvement. And then I guess we can just get into the Northwestern State loss and yeah. then talk about um, uh, the game yesterday against Lamar. But Northwestern State was a game where you, d- you just turned it over a bunch. I'm looking here. Uh, 20 – yeah, you turned it over 25% of the time against uh, Northwestern State, and you just didn't defend it well. Head on, you kind of had one player. Um, was it uh, Jamonta Sharp, I believe? Sharp, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that last possession, I thought you, you did defend it pretty decently. Yeah. I think I just made a good shot. I mean, yeah. the guy just, you know, hit a long two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it was just a game where, I don't know, it, you, you had, uh, like, I was like, Pinkney <laughs> struggled in the first half, and he ended up playing well in the second half. And yeah. Crowley struggled at the time, and he was out on the bench for a little while. And, um, and then you had that, I mean, you had, I guess, a couple plays that you kind of circled there in the box score, the play at the end of the first half where they were trying to run it down to get the last shot or close to the last shot, and then Ivory took a shot way too early and allowed Northwestern State to get another possession. They, they had a three. Um, and then you had another play that I just remember where uh, Northwestern State missed a free throw. They might have missed both free throws, but we didn't box out. And then um, Northwest, Northwestern State got a three on that. So there were just a couple mm-hmm. – uh, kind of mistakes that uh, snowballed and were big reasons why you lost that game. Now, uh, Northwestern State, not a bad team. I no, mean, no. You know, we've talked about they beat TCU on the road and they just beat ULM easily yesterday. ULM, not a great team, but it just shows you that, you know, you, you fared a lot better against Northwestern State mm-hmm. and another team uh, in the league. Um, so, I mean, certainly not a, a bad loss. I mean, when you kind of look at the um, just the way it works out as a one bit league and uh, at the end of the day, a uh, two-point loss in December is not going to sink your season. No. Um, so, Northwest, I think they're just outside the 100 of net. Um, so, yeah, it was disappointing to lose. Um, it just kind of was heartbreaking to lose that way mm-hmm. there at the buzzer. Uh, but, yeah, not not devastating. And then I guess we can get into um, – or I guess you, you have anything to say about the yeah. about game yesterday? Yeah, so. just, well, real real quick on Northwestern State, I mean, it was, it was just – I said this somewhere, but I mean, it was just an annoying basketball game. It was, I am not a blame the referees guy, but he, Sharp was pushing off, um, I thought, the entire game. And he, I mean, props to him. He, he, I don't know if that is always his game, the way he plays, but he figured out that he could, he could push off in the lane and create space and, and go to the free throw line a bunch. He did, he already shoots a bunch of free throws. But anyways, I, I don't know that we just did a poor job defending him. I thought he took advantage of that, and he's a really good player, too, like you said. That last shot was just 
better offense, I think. And, yeah, when you turn it over 19 times, you, you make some mistakes, like you mentioned there, um, that are uncharacteristic of this team. And you really sh- should have still won a basketball game against a good team in their house. Uh, apparently, it was warm in there. It was, was, it was, it was very hot. It, okay. it was probably yeah. like 78 degrees, I bet, mm. in there. And, yeah, so uh, Liner had to take off the suit. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was – yeah, it was very hot. I mean, and Liner said that in, yeah. in the post. I mean, and I know that's kind of a meme from last year where he talked about the Reed Green AC, but yeah. it was legitimately uh, hot in Prather Coliseum that Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and that and that does play a factor. Um, you know, that was that was their home floor, and they played the way they play, and you made too many mistakes, and that was it. And I, and I think the maybe the worry, at least for me, and I'm sure for other people, you started to start eight and zero. I think you were worried, especially when you looked at a matchup like Northwestern State, you were worried about a, a big step back that would sort of realign your expectations and you just, you know, sort of fall apart in a game like that on the road or something. Um, and I don't know, maybe this was this team's version of that. Uh, but again, given the fact that you were still competitive against a pretty good team on the road, I think, I think shows you that the high expectations that now have been created for this team are legitimate, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a – I mean, that's kind of it. Where you, I guess I guess a bad performance would have been, you know, if you went there and lost by like 20 or so. Right. Or yeah. like like ULM did. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the fact you lose by – let me just saying it, but two-point two loss on the road against a team that's, yes, you know, almost yes. in the top 100 in net, uh, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we'll get into the next game, but, yeah, yes. you were able to rebound – uh, from that loss really well. Yeah, that's right. And I think I think you maybe tweeted this. This was uh, you t- play Lamar yesterday, and you it was uh, an opportunity for a response to that game. Lamar not very good. I actually didn't get to watch it. I was calling two basketball games, but blowout start to finish. That's exactly what you needed after that Northwestern State loss. Yeah. So ninety five fifty nine a win against Lamar, and you know. Lamar, not a good team, and I think they're in the 350s in net or 340, 350 and kind of that Ken Palm net Torvik uh, type stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you jumped out, I guess, 11 to 1 or maybe got to 16 to 1 at one point, and then it was just, yeah, I mean, it was not a competitive game at, at any point. It was like 26 3 or something yes, like that. Yes, I think it was. I was hoping for 28 3 because of the Falcons meme, but uh, almost <laughs> yeah. got that. But, um, yeah, it was just a dominating performance. USM had uh, 1.28. Uh, points per possession. That's probably one of the better marks you've had against a Division One team in the last 20 or so years. And uh, you didn't turn the ball over um, much. Let's say you had, yeah, or 10 turnovers, but it's uh, 13.5%, which is fine. But you're able to turn over, I uh, forgot the exact uh, number on Lamar, but it was uh, basically you turned over Lamar at a percentage that was the top 10 percentage that you've turned over a team in the last 20 years. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the part of the bread and butter of this mm-hmm. team is getting turnovers uh, and then scoring off those turnovers. I think USM had 30-plus points off of turnovers um, in this game. Uh, you just kind of look at a couple individual performances. Austin Crowley bounced back from that Northwestern State performance, uh, scored 24 on 15 shots, was 4-6 from 3. Uh, you look at, uh, let's see, uh, Donovan Ivory played well. He scored 16 points in 10 minutes, was 3-6. Uh, from beyond the arc. So those guys had big games, and, yeah, it was a game where, um, yeah, you, you did what you needed to do uh, yeah. against an inferior opponent, and you will play this team again on Tuesday, and mm-hmm. with it being on the road, 
I, I would definitely expect a more competitive game. Uh, but this is still, uh, and you know, Lamar, they're not good, but this was, I think, by far the biggest loss they've had uh, in terms of scoring margin this year. I think they had, because I know they played TCU, and they had only lost that game, if I can find it. They only lost that game by 11, I know. Uh-huh. Uh, they played Texas State, so just kind of comparing them to um, another team in the Sun Belt. They lost that game by 10. That game was in Beaumont. That game was at home for them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you beat them significantly more than some other teams they play, and I think more than any other team they play. They lost to SMU by 25. I think okay. that was their largest margin okay. before this game. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was a good performance, and you go on the road. Um, should be closer, but still a game that you should not lose. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, okay, I guess we won't be – we want to talk about these next two after Lamar, McNeese State, UNLV. We, or, no, we'll, we'll be here on uh, – Sunday, so we can talk about you. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk cover. about McNeese. Yeah, let's, that, uh, what do we, know, we need to know about McNeese, Pat? Yeah, so they're a 3-6 team, 339 in net, 350 in Ken Palm, 347 in Torvik. So they're kind of in that bottom 25 or uh, bottom 25 in terms of just our, where they're in Division One. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they actually won the other day. I think they actually played today at Iowa State, and I did not see how they did. But they did go on the road on Friday, and they beat – Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa, traditionally a pretty good team there in oh, the Missouri yeah. Valley. Oh, yeah. Not so much this year, but it was an upset win for them uh, and a pretty good one. But still uh, a team that you – I mean, they're similar to Lamar, a team that's going to finish kind of toward the mid-bottom of the Southland. And, uh, yeah, so they lost today 77-40 in Iowa State, their names. Um, so, yeah, that's another game you should win easily. Mm-hmm. And um, so these are two games uh, you should be able to – Put on the W column, yep. uh, which we get to at eleven to one, and that would set you up for a big game at UNLV, which we'll get uh, to uh, next week. But yeah, yeah, and and we've you know we've talked about the turnaround and and uh, you know kind of the big picture stuff with that, but it it I don't know if we're having a similar conversation. You know, hypothetically, you're looking at the same stretch of games last year. Um, even shoot, even Lamar, Lamar twice in McNeese State. You struggled to beat Lamar last year. At home. Yes, you did, and these are so. These are. I mean, my point is, these are not games last year that you would expect to win, and the expectations have just been turned on their head. And you look at that UNLV UNLV game, which we'll talk about. I mean, that's that's the the big test on the schedule. Obviously, the last non conference game ahead of Sun Belt play, um, but yeah, expectations are high for this team, and I think. That UNLV game has has a lot to do with with what we expect out of this team and conference play. Again, we will talk about it, but it's just fun to yes. expect winning basketball, and that's that's what we have on our hands this year. Um, as far as Neftali Alvarez, Denajay Harris, have you heard any word on them? Did not play yesterday, correct? Right. I think that there is an expectation that uh, Harris could play. On Tuesday night at Lamar, there's a chance he could play, and I think if he would play at Lamar, I think you would see him probably against McNeese. Um, Alvarez, I think the timetable is still. I don't know if they're just being super uh, precautionary, but I think the timetable is still for that Sun Belt opener against Troy on the 29th. Yep. Um, would like to see him play against UNLV just to kind of see this team at full strength against a, a quality opponent like that. But I still think I would expect him probably to be back. Uh, for that uh, Troy game mm-hmm. uh, to open the league. so Yeah, I, I think you're right. I would imagine the coaching staff is erring on the side of a caution um, with both those guys because both 
both will have a lot to do with how this team competes in conference play. Quick uh, things on basketball, just yeah. uh, the, a couple looking at super early bracketology. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, the bracket yeah. matrix, which is a site I like, uh, which it compiles every single bracket projection. And anyways, USM is in the bracket matrix, which means um, more brackets have USM in there than any other team Amazing. in the Sun Belt. Amazing. Uh, I think USM has a composite 13 seed in there. And then I guess everybody's <laughs> kind of excited about the uh, – uh, the Andy Katz uh, projection from NCAA.com, uh, oh, yes. and he had USM as a 14 seed, which I think is a little low. I think oh. USM would probably be a 12 or 13 seed. Um, but he had USM as a 14 playing Duke, uh, so that would certainly be mm. very exciting. And then, But, yeah, you're number one in net um, in the Sun Belt. And I just, yeah, you, you kind of feel like the floor is – or just this team is a real – I think the, the ceiling is winning the regular season title, and then you, we'll see what happens in the tournament. You can't really project what happens sure, in the tournament. Sure. Uh, then the floor would be kind of, I guess, middle of the pack Sun Belt, and you'd know, still probably be in, in in contention for a top four seed to buy mm. in the conference tournament. So yeah, just a complete one eighty turnaround. Oh, man, and um, so yeah, man, Pat, you're getting me fired up talking bra- bracketology <laughs> in uh, December before in Christmas. December. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. All right, Pat, let's take a look around the Sun Belt Bowl Edition. Yeah, so there are seven teams um, in a bowl from the Sun Belt. We'll skip the USM game. Uh, since we already talked about that. But, yeah, I guess the the biggest bowl or the uh, most entertaining, I think, people have kind of uh, circled is that the, one of the first bowl games of the entire year is uh, Troy's playing UTSA. There's two ranked teams there yep. in the Cure Bowl. It's December 16th on a Friday in Orlando. So, yeah, this is the, the USA champion against the Sun Belt champion, and uh, that should be a really good game. And, uh, yeah, you would love to see Troy uh, win that, get to 12 wins, and – Kind of assert that uh, that Sun Belt uh, Group of Five supremacy there against the USA slash AAC team. I don't like that it's at two o'clock. It's kind of a weird. I know on a yeah. weekday too. Yeah. Um, so probably won't be a ton of people watching, but it should be a good game. Uh, Marshall uh, playing UConn. That is in the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl. That's on Monday, December nineteenth. I think Marshall big favor in that. Uh, UConn six and six on the year. So this game, uh, Marshall should win. Uh, then you look at another good game, I think, is on uh, Wednesday, December 21st, South Al and uh, WKU there in the New Orleans Bowl. South Al favored there, but WKU's been good. I don't know if Austin Reed's going to play in this game. He was a quarterback for Western Kentucky in or the portal, uh, so I don't know uh, what's going to happen there. Um, but, yeah, that's another um, a game that should be good there. Uh, and then December 23rd, uh, ULL at Houston. I would say this is probably the hardest game uh, for any team. Uh, some of this are in this year's bowl season. I don't know what the line is, but uh, Houston seven and five on the year. They they uh, did not meet expectations, but ULL six and six. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's a difficult game. There, that's the Independence Bowl. I don't think I said that. So that'll be uh, in Shreveport on December twenty third, and then uh, the last two games, uh, both on uh, Tuesday, December twenty seventh, you have Georgia Southern and Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, and uh, I guess the uh, kind of storyline there is the quarterback of Georgia Southern. Uh, Kyle Van Treese was actually a transfer from Buffalo. Uh, so that is uh, kind of what I think people are looking at. And then uh, the last bowl, uh, Coastal in ECU in the Birmingham Bowl. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the line is on that. I think McCall, I guess he would definitely play because he played in that conference championship game. But Coastal didn't look good against Troy in the league title. No. Uh, ECU is 7-5. They're kind of working their way back up with Mike Houston. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, Chadwell is on his way out, or he's already yeah he's already out. He's not going to coach the ball game. And they've uh, made a hire there with Tim Beck, uh, the NC State OC, and then uh, I guess the other hire. I guess we can just talk about some belt hires in general. Um, 
DJ Kenny, uh, who was an incarnate word, taking the job at Texas State. I think that was a really good hire. I think it made me feel old because I remember watching DJ Kenny play against USM yeah. uh, when I was like in middle school, and he was a really good quarterback there at Tulsa. Like he's putting up huge numbers wherever he's been. He uh, had a really good season in, in incarnate word before then. He was at oh he was at oh, I can't oh he was at OC at UCF maybe, and uh, so he was uh, under Melzahn. Uh, so th- I think that's a good hire for Texas State. Get those Texas high school recruiting connections in there, and then uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess the, maybe the last thing just on bowls in general, or in, g- in general, uh, just some about bowl tie-ins. People have talked about how those need to get better because like fear of the wave, the two-lane guy that I like to troll. He was talking about like yeah, the Sunbelt they just don't have. People are saying the Sunbelt's just going to be this whatever. And it's inevitable for them to be the best co- conference in the group of five, but they just don't have really good bowl tie-ins. Which and I think that is true to a point where you have the Sunbelt champion playing in the Cure Bowl on a Friday yep. in the middle of the day. I don't, I don't think that's great. I mean, you do have – I mean, I, I almost would rather see um, – although I think, you know, UTSA, that is a good matchup I've talked about. You'd almost rather want um, Troy to be playing Houston in that Independence Bowl because I feel like the Independence is kind of, I guess, the oldest and most prestigious, if you will, out of these bowl games. Mm. Um, a lot of these bowls are kind of new money. <laughs> yeah, most recognizable. Yes, sure. yeah. yes. Um, so I don't know how that's going to change, but yeah, the, the AAC, I mean, they have, uh, I think, cause I'm thinking UCF plays Duke, um, two lanes, obviously on the cotton bowl. Um, I'm trying to think of the others, uh, Cincinnati is playing, I think a, a power conference team. So yeah, I know, I know the app, whoever the app state AD, I remember he said something you want, they're trying to get more, uh, better bowl tie-ins mm-hmm. against your power conference opponents. And that'll hopefully shift throughout the years as the Sunbelt gets better and the AAC's taking a hit and realign. I think it will. But that's just kind of a point I wanted to touch on a little bit. Mm-hmm. There you go. Fun couple of weeks ahead. Fun matchups. Just a fun time of the year and a good time to be a Golden Eagle, Patrick. You are playing at a bowl game and you've got a highly competitive basketball team with high expectations all of a sudden. And you are about to, I guess, less than two months away from baseball season. Mm-hmm. Fun time of the year. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking yesterday. It feels like that the three major sports are trending upward. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about you mm-hmm. know uh, football uh, playing in a bowl a lot better than it was a year ago. Uh, basketballs, you know, maybe the most improved team in the country has a real chance. Uh, to win the Sun Belt, you know, baseball's coming off a of Super Regional. So yeah. uh, you just feel positive uh, momentum uh, all three major sports. So it's definitely a good feeling. What was, the, what was the last time that was true? Maybe 2011? Yeah, that 2011, 2012 uh, run where you would top 25 in football yeah. and uh, you would come off or, uh, you know, had a run of nine regionals in a row and then basketball made the NCAA tournament. So yeah, it would have mm-hmm. been kind of like winter, spring of 2012 was the last time you had that feeling. That was, you know, a or more than a de- or it'll be more than a decade ago yeah. here soon. So yeah, well, soak it in, Golden Eagle fans. Hopefully, more to come. Enjoy it. <laughs> Hope to see y'all out in Mobile. Pat, anything else before we wrap it up? I think that is it. All right, this has been another episode of Buzzardry. It was very good to be back with you again. We will be here next week. That is Patrick McGee. My name is Ben Milam. Hope to have you with us next week. This has been Buzzard Dream. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. 
You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzard Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.